0: WCNC Charlotte, this is Flashpoint.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Jane Monreal, Ben Thompson has the week off. Election day now just over a week away, and today we're digging deeper into a brand new congressional district here in North Carolina. The 14th district covers southern Mecklenburg County and a good portion of Gaston County, the district created after the 2020 census. This year, the race is between Democratic State Senator Jeff Jackson and Republican businessman Pat Harrigan, both veterans who served in Afghanistan. Today, you'll hear from the two candidates, but we begin with Democrat Jeff Jackson. State senator since 2014, why run for Congress now?
2: There's a lot of work that needs to be done. I've been state senator here for eight years. I got a sense of what the local needs are. There's some national things that we need to work on too. But really, I think there's a big difference between public service and public spectacle. My life has been about public service. Prosecutor, soldier, state senator. I think I have a sense of what doing this job well looks like.
1: What do you anticipate that's going to be different in Washington than uh, from the state level?
2: That's a good question. I don't really know. I've spent zero days in Congress in my life. I sense that the fastballs are just a lot faster at the federal legislature than in the state legislature. If we win, I'm gonna try and be very conscious about entering and saying, okay, I'm gonna get my bearings. We're gonna slow things down for a few weeks and we're just gonna make sure that we are ready to ramp up.
1: All right, very good. Let's go ahead and talk about the big issues. Inflation probably being the number one concern for registered voters. What can be done on the federal level? What needs to be done?
2: Some good things that have already occurred, the supply chain fiasco was really tackled earlier this year, getting ports up to speed. More of them are now working 24/7. That was the international standard, wasn't the standard here. So that's good that we've gone in that direction. More domestic manufacturing here, particularly with semiconductors and microchips. That's really important. Some other things need to be done, particularly around gas prices. There's a bill that would address price gouging with gas. It's passed the House. It hasn't passed the Senate. We could have a longer conversation about the strategic petroleum reserve and some things that we should be doing with that to help bring down gas prices a little more. No shortage of things to be done there. Mm
1: -hmm. Let's go ahead and talk about energy then. You want to be energy independent in North Carolina and going green. Um, North Carolina taking the lead on that in a lot of areas, a lot of ways. Uh, How can you translate and bring that to Washington?
2: We've got great potential here in North Carolina because we have really strong wind potential and really strong solar potential. Solar prices have come down 85 percent in the last 12 years. Wind prices have come down 50 percent. It is becoming really cost competitive. We have to accelerate the transition. I think the Inflation Reduction Act had some really good incentives in there for consumers and producers of energy to help accelerate that transition.
1: This new seat here in the 14th uh, district created now Notoriously, you are expected to win, but there is some room because of uh, economic uh, concerns and the p- potential for a red wave, if you will. How can, that, how can you solidify your, your lead in this uh, district?
2: When we started the campaign, one thing I wanted to do, make it real grassroots. So I said, I'm gonna knock on a thousand doors personally over summer. It was Republican, independent, uh, it was just a wonderful education about what folks actually want and are talking about. Housing comes up a lot, water and sewer comes up a lot, and so the idea is, independent of how people feel about national politics, also have a real local agenda and be in touch with what folks actually want on the ground.
1: Abortion. Your stance on abortion, protective rights, and uh, how, again, uh, you've introduced a bill in, on the state level. What would you like to see on the federal level?
2: talking about going to all of these doors and asking people what they are actually thinking about, abortion comes up a lot. We should codify Roe. Roe had a protection for 50 years, a fundamental right. It put a floor in place that said states can do different things. They can take a different approach, but all of them have to respect a bare minimum set of rights. Now that floor is gone. What I would want to do is reestablish the floor. We have folks running for state legislature in North Carolina right now who want to ban abortion in all cases with no exceptions. We should make sure that's never possible.
1: Also, uh, looking at gun reform, we've had several uh, mass shootings across the country, certainly North Carolina, no exception, the recent uh, one in Raleigh. Talk about gun reform, gun safety reform, gun control
2: I wanna give Congress a little bit of credit. They have finally passed a bill in this space. It took a couple of decades and it was a relatively small step, but it had something important, which was encouraging more states to adopt red flag laws. We have over a dozen states that have red flag laws that will protect people if they say they're gonna hurt themselves or hurt someone else. Remember, gun violence isn't just a homicide problem. It is also a major suicide problem. Most of the deaths from guns are from suicides. Red flag laws would help protect in both of those situations for people who have said, hey, I'm going to hurt myself or I'm going to hurt someone else. We should have a red flag law here in North Carolina. My opponent is an assault weapons manufacturer. He makes his living manufacturing assault weapons. I tend to think he and I would see this issue very differently.
1: Mm. But you too also have training, obviously, uh, Army National Guard in uh, assorted weapons. So you also uh, appreciate or um, gun owning or rights for gun owners.
2: True, appreciate the second amendment, appreciate what firearms mean to people in North Carolina and mean to our military. This is my 20th year in the military. I enlisted after September 11th. I served in Afghanistan and I'm still in. I'm a major now in the National Guard. I got drill coming up next weekend. I gotta get a haircut. I can't show up like this.
1: (laughs) What are you gonna look like on election night?
2: It's with shorter hair. That's how I'm gonna look.
1: Okay, all right, so we know that now. Uh, And let's talk about education then in North Carolina and the state uh, and in Mecklenburg County, a bit of a disappointment. How can that be remedied?
2: We are a CMS family. Our oldest is a freshman now at Myers Park and his entire middle school experience was defined by the pandemic and it did not go well. And the learning loss thing that we're seeing in statistics, we're seeing it in our family and we're having to wrestle with this and it's hard. All of the suggestions that people have for how we can help remedy this, how we can get out of this hole, it's stuff like tutoring, small group instruction, after school, optional summer school, all of it requires more funding than we have had. None of this comes without funding. And the problem is we've had a state legislature for the last decade that really has not been interested in funding public education. So no matter what the solution set looks like, it better come with the General Assembly that's willing to fund the solution.
1: What's the first bill you're going to introduce if you make it to Congress? We've
2: got to end gerrymandering. And I know gerrymandering is not top of mind for voters, but it's still really important. If you allow politicians to draw their own districts, they will cheat. When my party was able to do that, my party cheated. And the amount of downstream consequences of having a bunch of politicians who can't lose elections because they were allowed to draw their own districts is enormous for healthcare, for housing, for education. If they don't need to listen to people because they're gonna win anyway, you get bad policy.
1: Immigration, southern border, what can be done there? A lot can be
2: done. And we have done it a couple of times as far as passing bills that would be very helpful. The Senate passed one in 2013, they passed another in 2006, both times blocked by a set of very conservative folks in the House who don't want to see a solution. They want the problem. They want to exploit this problem for their campaigns. There's an enormous consensus, a bipartisan consensus, in the country, and I think in Congress, of people who want to solve the problem. So let's do that. We know what the contours of a solution look like. I think most people understand how we can address this.
1: Would you say you are willing and, and uh, open to reaching across the aisle?
2: Yes, we have to, especially in a closely divided Congress. I've been in the minority party for the last eight years in the state Senate. Every bill that I've ever managed to get passed has required bipartisan support.
1: State Senator Jeff Jackson, thank you for joining us on Flashpoint. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. And we'll be back after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Today, we're digging into the brand new 14th Congressional District in North Carolina. You just heard from Democrat Jeff Jackson, but Republican Pat Harrigan is now fighting to turn a traditionally blue area into a red swing district. Pat Harrigan, first time congressional candidate. You are going for a seat in Washington. Why Congress right off the bat instead of the state?
3: Thanks for having me today, Jane. Absolutely. Look, it comes down to this it's about opportunity for the next generation of Americans. My wife and I have two little girls and we are very concerned about what kind of America they're gonna get to grow up with and what kind of opportunity they're gonna have in their lives. We're at a point in this nation's history where we may very well hand less opportunity to the next generation of Americans. And that has never happened before in our history. My wife and I are in a position to do something about that and that's why we're in this race.
1: You say uh, on your website, it was after the fall of Afghanistan that you felt you could not stand idly by. What does that mean?
3: Well, I wasn't ever involved in politics and and politics has never been a trajectory for me in my life. But I became very switched on when Afghanistan went downhill. I, I really could not reconcile how we had a chief executive in this country who could bookend his political career on one side with a disastrous withdrawal out of Vietnam and then somehow, 45 years later, allow the exact same thing to happen when he's the commander-in-chief withdrawing out of Afghanistan. And look, I realize that we have failed leaders who are leading us down the road to failed outcomes. And I am not about to be part of the first generation of Americans that leaves less opportunity to the next generation of Americans. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stand for it
1: as we are about two weeks away from election night, what do people need to know about you as now people are really beginning to pay attention?
3: Sure, so I'm a West Point grad, I'm a nuclear engineer. I was a former commander in the special forces and I'm a business owner. My wife and I started a business in our small little double wide trailer outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina when I was still in the military. And over the last six years, we've been able to grow it. Uh, to a fairly large concern. We've got 120,000 square foot of American domestic manufacturing that sits on about 80 acres up in Burke County, North Carolina. And I think there's a lot that I have to offer to this country.
1: Recently, a Pew Research poll shows that economics, inflation, the number one concern for registered voters, uh, and that the GOP has an advantage in this area. Do you believe that, and what would you do?
3: Absolutely. Look, every single American right now has already lost their December paycheck. They're going to work December. December but they aren't gonna get the benefit of it because of 8.2% annualized inflation. That is unacceptable in this country. And what Congress needs to do is it has to rein in its addiction to spending government money and spending money that we're simply printing. We have to balance a budget. That's the very first priority that I have to get this economy back on track and to lower inflation.
1: We've seen several shootings uh, as of late in North Carolina. Do you believe we need to find serious gun laws?
3: We have a serious crime issue across this entire country, particularly in our cities across North Carolina, and that is not, uh, that has not excluded Charlotte. We obviously have a very serious crime problem here in Charlotte. We have got to punish violent criminals that will help more than anything else. We have to enforce the laws that are on the books. I do not believe the answer to some of our most emotional and divisive problems is to restrict or take away the constitutionally protected rights of law-abiding Americans.
1: Another important issue that people are talking about is abortion. And on the federal level, what is your stance?
3: Well, personally, I'm pro-life with the three exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother. But I think the federal government needs to play a much smaller role in our everyday lives, and it needs to stay the heck out of our households. And I think what we did with Roe v. Wade is that we simply took a decision that was made for all Americans, one of the most emotional and divisive and political decisions that has ever been made in this country, and we simply corrected errant law not by taking away people's rights but by actually putting the decision to decide what those rights ought to be back into the hands of the people taking it away from an unelected judiciary and now it's a problem for raleigh it is not a problem or topic for washington to be concerned with
1: let's talk about the exceptions you say rape incest life of the mother life of the mother yes ma'am and Does that conflict at all with your pro-life stance?
3: No, I don't believe that it does. And, look, I have a very well-thought-out perspective on why I believe those. I have always believed in those exceptions. Uh, This isn't something that I've changed uh, to adapt to the political environment. This is a very deeply held belief that, quite frankly, is based on my military experience uh, and the difference between murder and killing.
1: But leaving it back up to the state.
3: That is correct.
1: Let's talk about... uh, education as cms uh charlotte mecklenburg counties are seeing and really the state just seeing lower than standard scores disappointing in math and english what can be done from the federal stance
3: well from a federal perspective I think the federal government ought to play as little a role as possible in the public education that our kids receive here in North Carolina. That being said, there are certain strings that can be pulled with respect to funding that I think we need to hold uh, the educational system in North Carolina accountable for. But we need a robust and very strong public school system in this country. My, My mom is a lifetime public educator. My wife's mom. Uh, as a career public educator. We believe very strongly in public education. What we have to have happen to fix this problem that we have is number one, we need to offer school choice because it's going to take a long time to solve this problem. We can't allow our kids to be mired in the failure of our systems right now. It's going to impact them for the rest of their lives. So we have to offer parents an option to hold the existing Uh, apparatus accountable, and if that includes taking their kids out of school to provide them a better opportunity somewhere else, I'm all about that. That being said, Democrats have been in charge of education in this state for over 100 years, and it has led to absolutely atrocious outcomes. I think we just saw a couple weeks ago that 30 percent of our kids in CMS are reading at grade level. That is absolutely unacceptable. But if I'm being fair, Republicans have not wanted a thing to do with education in this state either. And so at the state level, what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage Republicans and Democrats in our state legislature to work together to solve this problem. And I believe that they'll be able to do it. I just think it's gonna take quite a long time.
1: Let's go for one E, education, to another E, energy. Which also kind of plays into economics. right? Being energy independent and uh, North Carolina going green, the initiative. How does that uh, coincide with being energy
3: independent? I don't believe in energy independence. I believe in energy dominance. We should never for one second in this country ever rely on our foreign adversaries for our energy needs. It is actually a national security issue that we're no longer energy independent, let alone energy dominant. It's also directly leading to the inflationary pressure that we have seen and that the average American is suffering from, and quite frankly, the middle class is being crushed by uh, with our inflation and our higher energy costs. Now, here in Charlotte, we're pretty smart. We derive 75% of our electricity from nuclear and hydroelectric. I'm a nuclear guy, right? I'm all about nuclear energy. It is the solution to all of our problems and has been for a long, long time. Uh, I like green energy. I think we should expand green energy, but I think we also need to understand that our energy needs have never, ever been replaced by different sources of energy. It's always additive. And so it's great that we're adding new sources of green energy, uh, but quite frankly, we need to make sure that in our national policy and in our policy that we Uh, Institute across our states, that we are not slamming the brakes on our existing economy and we are not sacrificing national security on the altar of some Green New Deal uh, that, that just doesn't mathematically pan out.
1: Pat Harrigan running for the 14th District seat in Congress. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time.
3: Thanks for having me today, Jane.
1: More in Flashpoint after the break. Welcome back to Flashpoint, Charlotte voters have an opportunity to approve a bond that would create almost 150 million dollars worth of upgrades and improvements to city streets. As Fred Shropshire reports, the streets bond referendum is part of a trio of referendums leaders say, if approved, wouldn't cost taxpayers any extra money. If you really think about it, the Charlotte that we enjoy today came from investments of the past.
0: AND NOW TRUEST FINANCIAL MARKET PRESIDENT RAY GLOVER WANTS VOTERS TO CONSIDER ANOTHER POTENTIAL INVESTMENT. $146.2 MILLION ON THE BALLOT FOR SOME OF CHARLOTTE'S MOST TRAVELED ROADS. FROM STREET RESURFACING, and REPAIRS AND CONSTRUCTION ON BRIDGES TO UPGRADES TO TRAFFIC CONTROL SYSTEMS AND BIKEWAYS.
1: RESIDENTS OFTEN WONDER, WILL THIS IMPACT POSITIVELY MY COMMUNITY? My answer is yes.
0: From Ballantyne South to UNC Charlotte North and points east, west, and in between, the entire city would see improvements. More than 50 million spent on sidewalks and pedestrian safety, 20 million on road and intersection improvements, and 6 million on the northeast corridor infrastructure, to name a few.
1: The whole city is looked at and there's different opportunities for different parts of the city.
0: The Streets Bond, only one of the latest three bonds in Charlotte's Capital Investment Plan, or SIP, which is a series of 10-year long-range budgets to improve transportation, neighborhoods, and housing around the city. City Manager Marcus Jones lays out those plans based on current revenue so residents don't see tax hikes.
1: He allocates line items in the budget. But only the citizens of the community can vote to pass it and, and release those dollars.
0: A vote, Glover says, is a selfless act to keep Charlotte an attractive and thriving community for years to come.
1: we got our children and our children's children and children's children's children to come. And what type of city would we like to leave for them? And that was Fred Shropshire reporting. Glover is also one of three co-chairs trying to convince all Charlotte voters to vote yes on all three bond referendums. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Before we leave you, an important reminder. Just about a week left in early voting in North and South Carolina. So much at stake from local school board races to U.S. Senate races. And we've made it easy for you to figure out. WCNC Charlotte is your election station. If you have questions, text the word election to 704-329-3600. We'll send you our voter guide for both North and South Carolina. And that's going to do it for us this week on Flashpoint. Then we'll be back with you next Sunday at 11 AM. We'll see you then.